Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of Back with the Grid of the Year. As always, I am Chris, and I'm joined by Tom. Hello. And by Stu. Hi. How are we doing? How are we surviving in this post-2021 season world? Yeah, post, post-Massey post decision world. Um, <laughs> yeah. Still coming to terms with I, the whole thing. I, I haven't had a chance to really come up for air since the whole thing. It's been so yeah. busy at work, and there's been so much. I feel like I've been forced to relive the events of last Sunday <laughs> on repeat for about a week now, at least, well, more than a week, and... Yeah, it's uh, it's getting old <laughs> mm. for me. But... I mean, I think, however we feel and you listening feel about the result, I think I am more than anything kind of just happy that, it, at least in terms of like who won, there is a line draw underneath it. Like this isn't we're yeah. not sat here talking. Oh yeah. well, we go to the courts in next weeks and stuff. Like yeah. I'm glad that it's all over. However you feel about. Yeah, I'm I'm pleased about that. Itself. I think if if there's one thing Hamilton and Verstappen fans can agree on is that it's been one hell of a season and there's been ups and downs. It's been a roller coaster, whichever side you're on. So yeah. Yeah. um it's probably a good idea to start going through it. Yeah, we're not here to dwell on <laughs> the last race. Um, <laughs> what we are here to do is do a bit of a season review, run through the teams and drivers, um, have a chat about how they got on this year. And then um, hand out a few awards as we do this time every year. And then to finish up, we're going to go all the way back to the predictions we made pre-season to see how they turned out. Spoilers, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, <laughs> I can sure imagine. It is. <laughs> did, remind me, did we do a serious one, a crazy one, and something we'd like to see happen i think we just did three of like increasing unlikeliness so <laughs> and it was some kind of theme to it, that sounds, yeah. what it was that sounds about right <laughs> one one prediction more crazy than the last pretty much yeah. so that's pretty much that's on brand for us right so let's get into it um we'll go reverse championship order which <laughs> means we'll start with uh Haas. Um, yeah. Stu, um, do you want to kick us off with Haas? Yeah, I've got Haas. I've got Haas. So, um, two new drivers um, after the departing uh, Magnussen and Grosjean last year. Um, we've got Schumacher and Mazepin. <laughs> that just like stop myself saying Mazepin. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so difficult season for um, Haas. They've uh, had no development really, other than they took some flaps off it before the start of the year um, to keep yeah. it in line with the regulations. Um, the concentration's very much been on the 2022 car. So you really, you need to take like this season with a bit of a pinch of salt, I guess, for Haas. Mm. Because you know yep. in, historically they have done all right. So I don't think they're the kind of team that should be last. But if you don't develop your car, of course, that's where you can end up. Yeah. Um, uh, Mazapan ended up 21st in a field of 20, <laughs> which is <laughs> not a great look. Um, some spicy racing uh, with with uh, Mick Schumacher. Um, sometimes maybe a little bit over the line, sometimes not. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm rattling through Haas because we don't really need to spend ages talking. No, there's not much much point going too in depth with them, I guess. No, exactly. Um, and my last thing on Haas is just um, Schumacher respectable in a inferior car. Yeah, 
How do you think, feel about those statements? <laughs> yeah, hard yeah. to disagree. I think, in a way, it's maybe been a good thing for that. For, you know, for two rookies to just be sort of fairly anonymous, fairly anonymously at the back. Um, they've both made quite a lot of mistakes. I'd like, I will say, for Mazepin, and this is like setting the bar very low, so you only need to step over it. But I expected worse of Mazepin. <laughs> so he's he's beaten the very yeah. low bar I had set for him, but yeah. Yeah. still, I think if, if if you were to pick a low point for Mazapan, I would say the Monaco Grand Prix when he was being asked to change settings on the car and was just unable to. When that's mm. his job is to be able to do that, yeah. I think was like kind of that was one of the moments that stands out to me as being like, oh, you are very very wet around the ears still <laughs> quite <laughs> green <laughs> yeah um and as a high point for that i can't really think of many the high, high point was the following race when he made a joke about that fact <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah yeah azerbaijan and yeah. then um i think one of the probably most exciting moments for for the team would have been in the following race as well where exciting i don't know book clenching moments maybe um where mazapan almost had him in schumacher in the wall which was mm. pretty hectic. Not how you want to be treating your teammate. No, that's that's um, the that's the stuff I expected more of from him, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. Um, I am yeah. surprised we saw less of that. But I guess a factor in that could be that they were so far off the back of the pack. Mm. I mean, yeah. it will be interesting if they're in the mix next year. It will be interesting to see how his driving is. In that sort of situation, yeah, yeah, I'd like to see him racing other cars for sure. Yeah. That would be interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, pinch of salt for um, for Haas this year. Yeah, um, yeah, all eyes on next year, really. Hopefully, they they can get it together and, and get themselves up the field somewhat. Yeah, Schumacher's quite handily outdone Mazepin this year as well. Yeah, if you look if you look Definitely. at like the head to heads, like that's quite evident. I mean, yeah, Schumacher's but, I mean, got you don't. Like, <laughs> You don't no, I mean, it, it was it was obvious they? going. It, it, no, it was obvious <laughs> going in, but like he's been handily outdone, which is yeah, so kind just, of what uh, we expected anyway. But yeah, to put yeah. some stats on that, um, uh, Mazapan um, lost. Uh, so only beat Schumacher six times over the season. Um, Schumacher beat Mazapan sixteen times over the season. Uh, qualifying head to head, it's two to twenty. Which is damning. I mean, you know, I was spending, I was filling in timesheets for these guys at the well for the whole field uh, um, on a weekly basis, pretty much. And yeah, every every time I was putting Mazapan's time in, it was always like a second off the pace, more yeah. than that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, a second off his teammate, usually about three seconds ish off the pace. Part of that is obviously the car, but still, like to be a second off your teammate is a yeah. long way. Um, nil point for both drivers. <laughs> Um, and yeah, best race finish for Schumacher 12th, Mazepan 14th. Um, that's about as interesting as it gets, really. Yeah, yeah, I think to kind of wrap up with them, I think a bit of a make or break season for Haas next year. Like they obviously put all their eggs in next year's basket before this season even started. So, yeah, if they this season was don't... about surviving, they had to get yeah. through the year this year, and they've done that. So, that's yeah, that's a success. Yeah, um, but if they don't then make a move up the grid next season, I would begin to worry about the future of that team, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, time will tell. Yeah, 
Uh, right, to move us on. Uh, Alfa Romeo were next. They finished ninth, which was one lower than they finished uh, last season. Uh, Raikkonen, 16th. Giovinazzi, 18th. Um, only scored points in six races. They had a couple of eighth places, which was as good as it got for them. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that across the whole season, they probably had more pace than Williams did. Like, if you look at the non-point scoring finishes, Alfa Romeo have so many in the kind of 11th to 15th sort of bracket. Um, mm. But they never seem to be able to, like, capitalise on the opportunities to, like, actually score some big points, which obviously Williams managed to do on a couple of occasions, which is what got them ahead. Um, again, a bit of a non-season for them. They probably have been focusing on next year more than most of the teams as well. Um, in terms of the drivers, uh, it was all square 10-10 in the races. Uh, qualifying, though, 13-7 to Giovinazzi, which is is worth applauding, I think. Uh, um, I actually think this is probably Giovinazzi's best season in F1, um, even though he's ended it without a seat for next year. I suppose you could argue that it's easy to beat a guy who had already decided he was retiring before the mm. season even began. And an interesting byproduct of that as well is Raikkonen has the most lap one overtakes of the entire season. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Well, the most. Sorry, no, that might not be quite right. I suppose it technical will be, but it's the best positional change for yeah. lap one. So it will be the most overtakes in mm-hmm. theory. I think it was like plus forty five on the season, plus forty five places yeah. on the season. So he's averaging like two or three a lap uh, a, a race. Sorry. But again, um, helped by it's easier to do that when you're qualifying is dire, isn't it? Well, yeah, that was kind of the other half of my point is it showed how like out of position he was in theory qualifying back where he was. The fact that he was instantly making up those places on lap one with race pace. So well, it's yeah. the fact that if you finish the race as well, it counts as an overtake, doesn't it? I guess like it's a it's a place gained. So yeah. yeah. It's only it's only it was only lap one though specifically the statistic I was looking at. Oh, sorry, sorry I believe. Sorry. Um, it, I um, mean, there might there might have been one that was overall like places gained in the race, but the one in particular I was looking at was like lap one off the grid positions right. gained. Yeah, yeah, so. that's that. You're absolutely right. That is like a lot easier to do when you're starting near the back of the grid than it is yeah. the front, isn't it? Um, not a whole lot more to say about them as a team, to be honest. Obviously, it's all change in terms of drivers next year. Um. I don't think, like, as much as, like, Kimi's been a big part of F1 for years, I don't think most people are really going to miss either of those drivers from the grid next year, with the greatest respect to them. Like, they've both been fairly anonymous. Um, yeah, well, I think it's been, like, pretty obvious for a few seasons that Raikkonen's not really been that interested in being there. Not at all. I don't know, like, whether you guys have got that vibe from him but like it definitely felt a bit like he's not really appreciating like what he's got in terms of like he is a formula one driver he gets to drive he's the most desirable seat in well one of the most desirable seats one of the 20 most desirable seats in motorsport i'm pretty sure and... this is the fourth year in a row we said he's definitely going to retire this year and it's only just happened <laughs> and yeah and now he has so I, part of me feels like he's had his arm bent into staying a little bit by Either like the Ferrari Fiat group or or someone in particular, like to keep that team maybe with some form of momentum. I, I don't know, like because definitely the last. I mean, he's never 
had that much of an interest in talking to the media. But the last season and a half or so, like if or full season, I suppose, because last season was a bit of a short one, wasn't it? But he's just he'd mentally checked out of everything, I think, hadn't he? Yeah, it's during the way. during the COVID stuff, and then obviously into this season. I feel like he'd he'd resigned himself to the fact that he didn't want to be doing it anymore, and maybe that's why I think he's kind of had his arm bent into staying until they brought somebody up or something yeah, maybe. like that. I don't know. Yeah, but then they um, didn't bring anyone up, and they just left Giovinazzi in, in that seat stewing for. Ages and ages <laughs> yeah, and ages. I was sort of more meaning what they're doing next year, like having yeah, yeah, yeah. bringing up yeah. a young talent like Zhao and stuff like that. I'm so. excited to see how he gets on as well. And obviously Bottas kind of leading that team is going to be interesting yeah. as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Bit... I, it'd be very interesting that, I think. There's a lot of potential there for Alpha next year. I think that's the big takeaway for them. Yeah. Is that with those changes and a new aero formula to go with it, there's a lot of potential there for them mm-hmm. at least to build on. Yep. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Williams, um, obviously finishing eighth above Alpha, um, up from the lowly tenth last year. Actually scored points this season. Um, Russell finished fifteenth and grabbed a podium, technically first <laughs> for Spa. <laughs> um, the uh, he didn't score any points last season with Williams. Did grab a couple while he was at Mercedes, yeah. so it's an improvement for him there as well. Uh, Latifi finished seventeenth in the drivers uh, and was like kind of down at the bottom last year again. Obviously, no points. Um, Russell has quite handily outdone Latifi this season: uh, fifteen races to five, twenty qualifying to two, sixteen points to seven. Um, the second place finish, if you want to call it a finish, for Spa. <laughs> second place grid position in qualifying. That was that was obviously. Done on merit in the rain. That was, you know, it was a solid qualifying lap. We all know that. Um, so yeah, it's. I mean, proven why Mercedes have taken him probably over the course of this season and decided to to make the change that they have. Would you say? Yeah, I think it's overdue. Yeah. I think it's. I think they should have done that. I think they would have had an easier time winning the world championship, the the constructors' world championship this year if they'd brought him in sooner. I think yeah, probably. Bottas is kind of as as much as I hate to say it to you, Chris, but like I think Bottas is not really delivered for Mercedes, and therefore Russell would have been a better option for them this year. Mm. Oh yeah, I don't doubt that. As a whole, Mercedes would have finished with more points this season if he was in that seat. Arguably, Hamilton might have had an easier time. In the championship, quite possibly, yeah. Russell had been part of that team because he would have been probably a better mm. rear gunner if he was even a rear gunner. Or they could have been taking points off each other. But I think that's more. Let's not, nice, you but... know, that's speculation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see what next season brings. I've got, I've got a, bit, I would say I've got a bit of a counterpoint to that. Where like, if you actually look at Bottas's results, I did mention this earlier in the season, but he was on the podium like pretty frequently. I mean, yeah, fair enough. A lot of them were thirds rather than seconds, but. He was on the podium more than Perez, I think, if you look at the comparison. Yeah. Well, he finished I've higher got... in the championship standings than Perez. Actually, no, I'm, I'm so... going to save that until we talk about Red Bull. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, we've sidetracked. We're getting yeah. sidetracked. We've obviously waxed lyrical about Russell on and off for the last few years. And there's like a ton more to add other than like, he's definitely proved why he's got that seat and excited to see. Yeah, um, 100%. Um, 
what he does next. I also think Latifi has quietly had not a bad season either. Definitely think this has been Latifi's best season in F1. Um, I mean, he's managed to out-qualify George a couple of times, which is yeah. no mean feat. Um, and actually, until uh, the Spa debacle, <laughs> Latifi was on to actually be beating uh, Russell in the championship. Yeah. Um, and I think as a whole, with like, obviously, like, it's not the position Williams still want to be in, but I definitely think you can see like the spark of things getting better there. And you can see kind of just a bit more like excitement and like hunger within the team. Like it feels like they're a team that are going in the right direction. So yeah. really hope again, they, <laughs> I feel like for every team we're going to say, Oh yeah, hoping they'll make a step up next year, but not every team can make a step up because someone <laughs> still has to be at the back. But yeah, I have more confidence, let's say, in Williams and other teams that they will be able to make a step forward. How about yeah, that? I think of the three we've spoke about so far, Williams are probably on the the they have the most momentum moving forwards. I think at the moment, yeah. As long as their new yeah. driver can can deliver, then you know they should keep moving forwards. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, it's me again, isn't it? That it came is. around quick. <laughs> um, so Aston Martin. Um, finished, oh goodness, too much going on. Finished um, seventh in the championship with Vettel 12th and Stroll 13th. Um, highlight for that team's probably their p- surprise podium in Azerbaijan with Vettel second. Yeah. With Driver yeah. of the Day to boot. That was a heck of a race as well and just a heck of a result for for um, for Vettel. Um Low point, maybe there was. They had, I think, a, a podium in Hungary taken away from them because of a yeah, fuel breach. That's a yeah. really random fuel, fuel breach. Which actually, the car was the fuel was in the car, but they couldn't get it out. Yeah, if I remember rightly, at least um, that was their was argument. Yeah, that was yeah, that well, was yeah. the that it's was there. the short <laughs> of it. It's there. Can we have it? No. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Disappointing season, really overall, I would say for for uh, for Aston, based on how well they did last year. Yeah, um, yeah. dropped three positions, obviously, by the end of by the end of this season. So probably were hoping to do a little bit better going into this season. I think mm-hmm. the error regulations hit them pretty hard, um, mm-hmm. and unlike Mercedes, who had a similar situation, they weren't able to develop their way out of it. Um, no. So um, a lot of focus has probably moved on to 2022 as the season's gone on. Again, you, you know, this bottom half of the field are definitely sort of hedging their bets, really, aren't they? And they're moving yeah. things on to next next year, yeah. much more sooner than most of the other teams. Um, Vettel himself was unsatisfied with his with his own season. Um, he'll be looking to improve next year. He said on the radio at the end of the last race that, um, mm. you know, he felt like he could have done a lot better. And I'm sure... Once he's now he's settled into that team and got a season under his belt, I'm sure he'll hit the ground running next year. And hopefully they'll again. Hopefully they'll have a really good car. I'd like to see it. I actually, this is one that I genuinely would like to see have a really good car next year and be a bit of a disruptor. Um, well, um, Lawrence Stroll has been saying for a while now that his plan has always been that they'll be in a position to fight for the championships, I think, within five seasons, of which this year was like season one. And honestly, I don't doubt that they'll be able to achieve that. Like, yeah, the sort of money and resources he's putting into that and the people they're hiring, like, I do think 
in a few seasons' time, they will be right up there. It's just kind of how quickly they start making that step forward, I guess, isn't it? I think that the decision to refocus attention to next season for Aston came a lot easier than most because they were kind of stuck in a bit of a no-man's land. Like, they were never realistically in touching distance of teams like Alpine and Alpha Tauri ahead of them, but they were always comfortably ahead of Williams and Alpha. So they weren't they weren't going to get caught very easily, and they weren't. But they also weren't going to catch who was ahead of them very easily yeah. either. And I think that was probably like the moment where they were like look looking at it mathematically and saying we are better focusing for next year. And you did, I think you kind of saw that in the results in the back back third of the season, yeah. probably. I mean, it's yeah. wild to think that that team, in fact, a, a version of that car was for a big chunk of last season, the third fastest car. And yeah, now they're finishing the season in seventh. Like, when you say how much the rule change hurt them and B, yeah. like you say, how quickly they were like, this is a non-starter. New rules next year kind of thing. It's what yeah. happens when you copy someone's homework and don't know how they did it in the first place. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, a pr- pretty average season for Stroll as well. Um, Vettel had the most overtake. Had Actually did have the most overtake. Yes, this year. most importantly. 100 million jelly beans for it. Yeah. Head-to-head <laughs> um, wise, Stroll actually beat Vettel head-to-head. He got 11 mm. races to Vettel's 10. Um, qualifying though, Vettel had the legs on him 14 to 8. Um, points wise as well, Vettel just better over a season 43 to 34. Um, and yeah, obviously, the, the, the best the best finish second of Vettel's and sixth uh, sixth for Stroll, which came towards the end of the season as well. He's, yeah, he's had a season of sort of really, really low points finishes, probably the most really the, got going. I think the most anonymous driver on the grid this season as well. Yeah, like I just mm, can't maybe, recall. Maybe Giovinazzi. Giovinazzi. Yeah, maybe. But like, other than the the turn one in Hungary, I can't think of a single other thing Stroll did this season off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Although you know, say that that's probably one more thing than I can remember Giovinazzi doing. So. <laughs> but yeah, anyone anyone got anything more to add for Aston Martin season, or shall we move on to the next one? Not really, I don't think. Let's let's move along. Um, sixth in championship was Alpha Tauri, uh, an increase of one position from last season. Um, it was actually the, the biggest gulf between teammates in terms of stats across the whole grid. Um, Gasly finished ninth, Sonoda 14th. Um, it was 16-5 to Gasly in races and 21-1 to Gasly in qualifying. Which wow. is yeah, huge. Um, hundred and ten points to thirty-two. Although best race finish was pretty close. Um third place for Gasly, um, and then that fourth place that Snowda picked up the end of the season. Yeah. Um big I mean, asterisk next to that fourth place, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um I mean, there's not much more to say about Gasly other than just he continues to be brilliant. Like he's just carried on from where he left off last year, basically, hasn't yeah. he? Um in yeah. the points fifteen times, another podium, as I say. Um, Sonoda Sonoda's had a rough old year hasn't he um, I mean he scored points a lot more from Sonoda I did as well like he scored points in his debut and that looked like you know oh he's gonna he's gonna you know, do a bit of alright here and then it just it just seemed to be mistakes breeding mistakes didn't it like a real downward spiral at times um, yeah. 
you definitely seem to like settle down a little bit and sort of iron out the mistakes towards the end of the season. Obviously, sort of he finished with that fourth place, which is a really nice way for him to um, finish the year. And I know yeah. Red Bull had Alex Albon spend a lot of time coaching him, which seems to have helped as well. So, um, yeah, I definitely expected more from him. I think in many ways he's quite lucky he's getting a second season. But bit of a make or break for him next year, isn't it? Yeah. I think yeah. when you look at the queue behind him. Yeah. So yeah, and when you when you think about the, the team that he's part of, like he's in that Red Bull family, if you want to call it family, mm-hmm. the most dysfunctional <laughs> family in Formula One. Um but yeah, like we've seen drivers lose their seats for much better performances than what we've had from Yuki yeah. this year. And that that's not trying to like crap on UK but it's like it's just it, it's it's fact like yeah, Red Bull really have is. got gone rid of drivers that have had better seasons than that um so I mean I really hope that that result at the end of the season is a bit of a turning point and he, he goes on to have a good one next year and it gives Red Bull a bit of a headache about what they'll do with the seats at Toro Rosso yeah definitely and yeah, he, he needs it's a good to problem because... for them to have as well though isn't it well, he needs to have a good season next year because, like I said, the queue behind him for that seat is getting rather big at the moment. Yes. And I yeah. can't see, if he doesn't get his ideas together, I cannot see him completing next season with Avatari. I think they'll have him, have him out and get someone, if, someone else in there. Mm, if he has a first half of next season like the first half he had of this season, yeah, he could be in mm. could be in, big trouble. in trouble with the with the bosses. I mean, ironically as well, it, his first half of the season was probably actually better than his second half. Even though he got his good result at the end of the season, his first half, he was in the points more often than he was mm. in the second half of the season. The trouble so, was that those points are normally, despite him binning it in qualifying or binning it in practice, weren't they? Yeah, more often than not. I think that, do you know the, the stat when we were looking at the head-to-heads that really shocked me the most with this, I think, is the number of DNFs for Yuki Tsunoda is one. Yeah. And I looked at that and I sort of thought, really? And then I sort of thought back and I was like, oh, yeah, because like all the big incidents that he had were always in qualifying. He was always on the back foot in races mm. because... He'd had a big incident in either FP3 going into qualifying or in qualifying itself. And then it sort of dawned on me like, yeah, he has actually been finishing races. Yeah. He's just been a bit anonymous in a lot of them because he'd started from the back or from the pit lane or something. Gets all his crashing done on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. I mean, which is good, which is good That's in a way. You want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's not conducive to building momentum into qualifying no. into no. race proper, is it? No. So. Yeah. Um, moving on, we don't got anything else for them, have we? Before moving on to no, our, no, I don't think so. No. Uh, so yeah, moving on to Alpine, they're fifth in the constructors overall. Uh, no change from last year when they were Renault. Um, Alonso finished tenth, grabbing a podium on the way. Ocon finished eleventh behind him um, with the win in Hungary. Um, I mean, he's upper position in the standings from last year because he was 12th overall last year. But I guess that's really only handed to him by that win in Hungary, probably. Um, uh, Alonso's come back and kind of performed, I would say, an extremely good level, considering he's a driver that's 
not been in a Formula One car. Um, you know, he's come back and shown why he's always yeah. been considered one of one of the greats. Um, I think on on the whole, Alpine have probably gone backwards a little bit because you got to remember, Ricardo was like up in the top half of the con- uh, the driver standings last season in the in it as a Renault, uh, finished mm-hmm. fifth last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this must be like also one of the most even, evenly spread <laughs> driver battles as well. Like it has to be. Yeah. I'm literally just looking at it now. So you've got Alonso winning eleven races to Ocon's uh, winning, <laughs> uh, beating Ocon in eleven races to Ocon beating him in ten, um, qualifying a dead heat of eleven to eleven, uh, points eighty one to seventy four, and that was tenth and eleventh respective. As, as I was saying before, um, Alonso's best finish third, Ocon with the win. Um, Alonso best qualifying was third and Ocon's was fifth so very very close between the mm. two of them mm. which is surprised by that I, yeah. I, I expect I kind of expected Alonso to wipe the floor with him this year I thought it was going to mop up I thought it was going to take him to janitor school mm, I, I think the, the key thing there is is that situation I've already mentioned with Alon- Alonso being in the situation he was in I, I think It'll be very interesting to see how it goes next year with Alonso kind of back in the zone, so to call it, like, you know, back in that. the In the Alonso. Yeah. Like, I, I just think that. <laughs> I just think that there's more to come from him, probably. Definitely. Absolutely, definitely there is. Like, to, to come back and perform the way he has, I think, is is impressive. Yeah, you know, to be to be that close to your teammate, who's that you know, Ocon was was in that car last year, right? He was, mm-hmm. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to have that, rate. yeah, for Ocon to have that experience with the team, and then for Alonso to come in and even match him the way he has, yeah, I think um, it shows a lot of promise for Alonso. I think he's still got mm. it. Um, he's definitely shown that on numerous occasions, yeah. particularly in Hungary when he was fighting with Hamilton. Yeah, it was electrifying bit of racing, and you know his um, his podium in oh uh, Qatar, Qatar, yeah, in, yeah. in Qatar was was a sight to behold as well. It was really that was probably the most feel good podium of the entire season. It was good, so wasn't I really it? Enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what Alonso can do next year. I think he's going to be, and what Alpine can do next year, mm. um, car-wise as well. I think they're they're an interesting team. That again, upward trajectory. Um, yeah, just I can't wait to see how they how they get on with the new regulations. With they've got the right driver for the job in Alonso and um, Ocon's turning into a very tidy driver indeed. I, I can say he's taken, Ocon's taken a real step forward this season as well, I think. His sort of just general pace and um, performances have definitely like a step forward. And like, I forget his name, but the new guy running the Renault group, he's very much a motorsport guy. So, because th- there was there was always question marks over the Renault years of like, when are the board just going to pull the plug kind of thing? But I think mm. those fears maybe not so much with the new... Um, kind of management there so yeah interested to see where they go yeah um so next one obviously mclaren um finished fourth down one position from last year um we've got norris in sixth and ricardo in eighth um which if if i if if you tell me that that was going to be the result for mclaren at the start of the season i wouldn't have believed you i thought McLaren would do a lot better especially their drivers i was expecting their drivers to finish higher up particularly norris mm. and 
I guess like team wise, they're probably in around about where I expected them to be. Maybe, maybe they could have beat Ferrari. Um, highlight for McLaren was definitely the one-two in Italy. Yeah, um, that was next level. What a what a, I mean, what a race that was. Um, low the light, o- probably Russia. And say just just to about the only one-two of the entire season as well. Yeah, which is mad, insane. That is it's that crazy. is oh, goodness. I didn't even realize. I yeah. almost swore really bad. There. I didn't realize that. <laughs> That's hectic. Absolutely bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Insane. What? That is mad. Right. Okay. So yeah, huge highlight then for McLaren yeah. there with the one-two. Um, low light Russia Norris's yeah. race win that just went begging. Um, yeah. Bad strategy calls, wasn't it? It was. They failed as a team, I think there, um, which is a real shame. Um, a fiercely fought battle with Ferrari for third, but they just lost momentum over the final sort of third of the season. Um, there was a time when Norris was, you know, in, in third in the drivers' championship, yeah, fighting yeah. with Bottas for that, and then Bottas just obviously the Mercedes development just outpaced them by a lot. Um, pretty unlucky at times as well. Qatar, Saudi, and Abu Dhabi—they've all they've had issues in each one of those races, yeah. which has again like cost them in that fight with. Ferrari, um, but definitely a team to watch for next season. I think um, uh, Ricardo as well. Ricardo's slowly, slowly, slowly getting to grips with the car. I did expect more from him by the end of the season, mm-hmm. but I think all change next year with the new kinds of cars. I think there's 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 the potential for Ricardo to be back in his comfort zone. I think with the way the downforce works in next year's cars, because. Yeah. He was really, really good in the Red Bull that had the um, blown exhausts and yeah. the sort of underfloor, uh, the diffuser-led, underbody-led aero. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's probably going to be more his vibe next year. Yeah. So that's going to be a really, really interesting battle to watch to see how Norris adapts as well, because Norris hasn't really driven Formula 1 during that era. Um yeah, very, very excited to see how those two do. In terms of the driver competition between the two, um, Norris actually quite handily um, done him in most aspects. Um, he's finished ahead in 15 races to Ricardo's seven. Uh, ditto for qualifying. Um, more points for Norris, 160 to 115 for Ricardo. Um, Ricardo obviously won uh, and was the head of the 1-2 in Italy. Um, Norris has got a second, which also Italy. Highest grid position was obviously Norris's uh, pole position in... Russia. Russia, of course. Yeah. Easy to forget um, that happened in everything else. That's going I know, especially given I've just said everything about Russia. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the highest grid for Ricardo was second. Yeah. So one DNF each as well. So I think like where it matters, where it counts... Obviously, they're quite close, but over the course of a season, I think Norris has definitely had the legs on him this year to an extent that I didn't believe would happen. I thought Ricardo would do mm. a little bit better than this, but like I say, it'll be—I think it'll be much closer next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think what ultimately was the struggle for Ricardo this season was that there was a point when we came back from the summer break maybe and going into like i mean other than monza basically the results just weren't there for mclaren like that was the only good result they had in that entire run 
of races, I would say, from Spa yeah, through so... to the end of the season. And like when I think the problem was is that Ricardo finally started to get on top of things, but then I can only assume things like development and stuff stopped at that point and her focus started shifting maybe and then there was there was nothing for him to gain from there and so the re- the results didn't really reflect his improvement within the car and his mm. improvement within performance and i sort of look at norris's results to to kind of make that kind of assessment i guess because there were times where ricardo was finishing above norris in that car but it still was it was still like barely midway through midway up the points, like yeah. fifth and sixth and seventh and stuff like that. And then Norris was finishing like eighth, ninth, and tenth behind him. And that was where Ricardo was kind of clawing the results back against Norris. But the car was maybe done for the season at that point. So it wasn't it, it's things like that that's let them slip to Ferrari and, and such in the standings, I think. Sadly. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, Norris was scoring sort of like final third of the season. He's down seventh, eighth, yeah. tenth, tenth, tenth. Made ninth, a miserable tenth. end, didn't they? Yeah, and then uh, Ricardo as well was sort of fairly fairly low in the points most yeah. times. Um, yeah, post, yeah, like, Mon- I guess it, post Monza, I guess it, it was awful, it wasn't was, it? It was, really? it was sort of post Monza, really. That was there, like, they just put all of their sort of winning ways into that one race <laughs> at the expense of the rest of the season it feels like doesn't it so yeah yeah unfortunate end for them um but i do think they will come back stronger for it next year um mclaren have been on the up for yeah. a few seasons now and they've got a really really tight ship being run over there they've got a good project going on they've got good people it's it's, it's going to happen for them it could happen for them next year i think i think they're one of those teams that are definitely like they ha- they have the potential to be a real contender next year. I think. Yeah, um, I think so. They're probably a little bit, slightly more towards the outside chance of that, but I still think there's that there's the impetus there for them to to get up to speed quick and to get on the job and actually yeah. win some races. Yeah. So, yeah, again, that that's why I'm excited to see them next year. I just I, I already want next season to start. <laughs> I just can't yeah. wait to see how this team does. I mean, you only have to look at Norris's results for the first half of this season to to show the upward trend that McLaren have been on and yeah. what he oh, culminated yeah, totally. in. Because like, what he, he wasn't even outside the top five. I don't think for the first half of the season it was ridiculous. Not until, wasn't it, that not until he got taken out in Hungary. Yeah. So like, it was. I mean, the podiums that he picked up there and stuff like that, and really solid points. That's why he was sat rightfully so. Yeah. In third in that drivers for so long because he was. He was consistently up there. Um, and I think with him and Ricardo on that kind of form and a car that looks good in the new aero regs could be like just a dream combination for McLaren mm. next season. Yeah, I can't remember if I've said it on the podcast or only in the Discord at this point, but my prediction for like beginning of next season, like post-testing is... Mercedes and Ferrari at the front, and then Red Bull and McLaren sort of tied for third. Interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you don't see you don't see Red Bull in the hunt. In I the think early stages of next year. I think they've put too much into this year, and they're gonna. I don't. I don't think it's gonna be for the whole season, but I think they're gonna have a bit of a stunted kind of stuttered start. Okay. So we should move on to Ferrari then, and hmm. then the Let's sooner me- we get through Ferrari, the sooner we can talk about Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
So uh, Ferrari um, up three positions to third, which is the biggest improvement on the grid in terms of both points and position, I think, um, after that sort of season-long battle with McLaren we mentioned. Um, Also probably one of the closest driver pairings on the grid. They ended up um, fifth place for Sainz and seventh place for Leclerc. Um, But, I mean, I I think the fact that they were even close speaks volumes about how good a season science has had um let alone the fact that he uh beat him um it was sort of that podium in the final race that sealed the deal for him which again there's a little asterisk next to that but um it's interesting actually if you look at the stats it's 14-8 in races and 13-9 in qualifying to Leclerc but when it came to actual finishing positions um in the, the positions that mattered uh, yeah, signs very much out, did him. Yeah, um, both I think, had a like, second just, place. Just on last the last race of the season, um, signs actually stood to lose out at the end. He of did that actually. Race. No, that's fair. So he he could have gained he could have gained position, and yeah, you know, he could he could have got himself a podium and had an even better result. Mm, so I don't necessarily think there's there should be quite as big an asterisk next to him. No, name. that's that's totally fair. As there might be for other drivers for for the results of that race, but um, yeah, still, st- I think it's a worthy performance. Yeah, I think definitely fair to say that of the drivers that swapped teams um, over last winter, Signs was easily the best of them. He was pretty much on pace straight yeah. away, wasn't he? Um, he settled really quickly, didn't he? Yeah, um, he's got four podiums across the season compared to the Clers one. Um, yeah. That that shows you what you need to know, doesn't it? Like yeah. when when we talk about it's it's all well and good that Charles has finished ahead of him in more races, but it means nothing when that's ninth and tenth and there's only yeah. a point difference in it. Exactly. <laughs> so um interesting status or actually on Ferrari drivers. Um going all the way back to the Schumacher years, new Ferrari drivers have always beat their um new teammate in the first season. So Science has beat Leclerc in his first season. Leclerc beat Vettel in his first season. Vettel beat Raikkonen, it would have been, I guess, in his first yeah. season. Yeah. Raikkonen beat Massa in their first season together. It's only back to when Massa joined with Schumacher as his teammate that Massa didn't beat Schumacher, but obviously it's Michael Schumacher we're talking about. Yeah, so. yeah. I yeah. think that's fair enough. Poor Felipe to be that one. Yeah. um, (laughs) So, I mean, you know, Ferrari know how to pick their drivers, clearly. Um, Yeah. I think Leclerc's had a sort of... a bit of an underwhelming season, honestly. Like, he's had some... There have been some really great standout performances. Like, I think his drive at Silverstone is maybe the most underrated driver of the year. Like, obviously, he inherited the lead on the first lap, but for him to, like, hold that lead until he was only like three laps from the end wasn't it he eventually lost it to hamilton um yeah mm-hmm. like he was kind of he had the pace to keep the likes of bottas and perez um behind him in what are clearly faster cars um but then there's so many other races this season where he's just been a bit like meh hasn't there yeah i guess monaco is like the perfect example he was like one of the qualifying laps of the season followed by binning it stupidly and not even getting to take part in the race like yeah it's like a microcosm of his season i suppose isn't it hmm. be interesting to see um 
how that duo plays out if they are as strong as you sort of think they could be next season. I, th- I think it's it's shaping up for fireworks, isn't it? Uh, it feels like it's got the potential of like Hamilton Rosberg or Senna Prost at McLaren kind yeah. of. Vettel there Weber. will be handbags at dawn. Yeah, like, Vettel Weber. <laughs> if you go back and listen to the um, Leclerc's team radio after the last race in Abu Dhabi, like you can tell by the tone of his voice that the fact he finished behind signs bothered him. Like that mattered yeah. to him. And like that's when they're fighting over like fifth, sixth, seventh. Imagine if they're fighting over first and second. Yeah. Well, that's the first rule of Formula One beat your teammate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter where you are, always yeah. beat your teammate. And yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone at Ferrari de Clare included expected science to be as good as he's been this year. No. I'm very did, impressed. And I think Tom did. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly. I think I probably had that down. It is I think, definitely I think in I the had, predictions. I think I had something to do with Norris and McLaren and something to do with science beating we'll, Leclerc. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, Red Bull. So, yeah, Red Bull. Uh, second in the constructors. Obviously, a title for the driver. Um, Verstappen, uh, first in the drivers. Sergio, fourth. Um, not bad for his first season, but it equals what he was doing in the um, racing point the season before. He finished fourth last season as well. Um, <laughs> That's picked, crazy. Picked, yeah, that's bizarre. Picked up a win and absolutely crazy. Is another crazy one for you. He picked up a win and four podiums this season, um, and he picked up a win and an an additional podium last season. (laughs) So he's not improved that much there either, (laughs) which is crazy in itself. I I guess it goes to show how good that racing point actually was last season. Yeah, that really. Not only that, it shows how quick he is to adapt to a new car as well, and that as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um. Yeah, so overall, I mean, I think the stats will be pretty clear before I even read them, but um, Verstappen finished ahead of Perez 19 times compared to Perez's three. Uh, 20 to two Verstappen in qualifying. 395 and a half points for Verstappen, 190 for Perez. Uh, both won a race, uh, but no pole positions for Perez. His best good position was second. So, yeah, very, very, very good second driver kind of season from Perez really so, wasn't it speaking of that again the thing I've seen somewhere on the internet that I forget where I got it from so I'm just going to read it out and not credit anyone because I've forgotten where it came from <laughs> but if so just a list of things that Perez did this season which I think kind of proves he's done the job that Red Bull needed him to uh, Monaco managed to overcut Hamilton for sixth place and held him there Baku, we held Hamilton behind the entire race until the restart. We know what happened there with Hamilton. Um, France um, got in a position where Hamilton had to um, not do an ideal pit strategy, which helped Verstappen then catching him up towards the end. Silverstone took the fastest lap off Hamilton. Turkey managed to defend Hamilton for most of the second half of the race. Um, Austin, he got within Hamilton's pit window, so Hamilton had to pit a bit sooner than they would have wanted to. Brazil, he stole the fastest lap. And obviously Abu Dhabi, we know, he sort of cost him nine or ten seconds through that defensive stuff. So yeah, it, like any one of those things could be the handful more points that Hamilton needed to win this title. Like Perez yeah. has really done the job 
that um, he was there to yeah. do this season. It's been it's been the dream team, hasn't it? Rebels? Yeah, and, and I, I think that's that's sometimes part of it, isn't it? Like that you can say, well, he didn't take as many points off of Verstappen as uh, sorry off of Hamilton as Bottas maybe did Verstappen, but he did more damage to Lewis in the sense of kind of keeping him like keeping him in in those lower positions like what you were saying there like yeah you know the, the the key results for Perez in a lot of those scenarios are things like Monaco and stuff like that where <laughs> it's it's more it's more down the order that it's it's happening and it's causing Lewis to score four or five points instead of you know 20 plus or whatever well it'd be 18 wouldn't it for for a second like yeah that that's the big wins for red bull and verstappen that perez has gained for them um i i haven't really gone back and looked i don't know if either of you two have but i'd be really interested to sort of overlay um perez as a second driver to verstappen with basically everybody else who's had the opportunity of a full season against him um, I've, yeah, probably I've, not many. I've, yeah, I've not seen anything like that to be honest. Um, I think I think the main one you could really compare him to is Ricardo, and obviously Ricardo outdid Verstappen in that season, didn't he? he I think that's the the yeah. the others were all like very junior. I think Ricardo mm. was the last driver that had a bit of seniority. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, got himself Stappen. out of there because he saw what was coming. He could, see yeah. yeah, not not that, not necessarily that Verstappen. You know, he was accused of by Christian Horner of running from a fight, which I don't think's fair. I think he made a. I think Ricardo, when he left that team, made a strategic decision, knowing that he was never going to be seen as the number one driver, so he wouldn't get the support that he could see Verstappen was already getting. Mm, so that's mm-hmm. obviously why he left that seat. Because, yeah. and and it and it borne itself out over the next few years because literally every driver who's joined that team just clearly hasn't had the same level of support that Max Verstappen has. That's so plain to see from the outside. Yeah. So that was absolutely the right decision of Ricardo to get out of there. Ricardo's journey since then has been up and down. He's who knows what, but the other drivers who've sort of gone in there to try and take the fight to Verstappen have just not been able to do the business. And they've not really been mature enough to be put into that situation, I don't think, either. And Perez is probably the first one to actually get in that seat and not really have anything left to prove. Like, he spent all of last season doing a really, really good job, which earned him this drive. And he came into that team obviously hungry to win races, hungry to win championships, even if the opportunity presents itself, but probably knowing that he was going to be number two and knowing what his role is. And as Chris said, my God, has he, has that played out this season? He's yeah. really, really been the, the number two driver of the year. Yeah. Um, I suppose a quick word to Verstappen, the world champion. I mean, <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's been, who? he's been unbelievable, hasn't he? Like, He's it's been ridiculous. It's been just really like good. how many times this season have we seen 15 laps into the race, Hamilton and Verstappen 20 seconds ahead of the rest of the field? Like, yeah, the two of like, we, we already know that Hamilton is like a league above almost everyone else. And Verstappen's the first, 
He's the first driver that's not been Hamilton's teammate in a very long time that's been able to go toe-to-toe with him. And like, you know, he's led more laps than either driver this season. He's won more races, yeah. more pole positions. Like, I think you could make a strong argument that Hamilton's the best qualifier there's ever been. And some of the times Verstappen's managed to beat him in qualifying have just been ridiculous. Like, his lap yeah. in Abu Dhabi was unreal. Absolutely unreal. He's yeah. he's spent most of the season ahead of Hamilton. He's yeah. in the championship and in terms of laps led. He has, to be fair to the guy, spent most of the time ahead of him. So anyone who says he doesn't deserve to win a championship is mad. Of course he deserves to win the championship. If you're ahead for the yeah. majority of it, you deserve to win it. Um obviously like there's been controversies about Verstappen. His mm-hmm. driving style is is um aggressive (laughs) um but i actually i'm growing to you know what for all the sort of things i've said over the season the more i analyze verstappen's driving the more i like it um and i think it i think if everyone drove like max verstappen it would be dodgems it would be absolutely (laughs) you'd have multiple retirements on lap one of every single race um the way he has verstappen has almost hacked the overtaking maneuver in Formula One. Mm. He does something that not many other Formula One drivers do, and that's the sort of send it in a straight line towards the apex move. And yeah. When he gets it right, he nails it, and th- it works perfectly. When he doesn't I- get it right, uh, it, it should get him in trouble. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that is exactly the fine line that, only he can dance is yeah. he like those moves are on the edge and risky and he's throwing it up the inside with the potential to not make a corner a lot of the time and he borderline keeps it inside those white lines most of the time or does enough to make anyone that's judging it from an officiating point of view go well He's got the corner there. He's got a head. There's a it's a fifty feet. Like the 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 he he plays like jump rope with that line of it's a penalty. It's not. And I think yeah. he's made the stewards' decisions a million times more difficult than they have been in recent times. I am um, because of that. I read something really interesting earlier today. Actually, um, it was some snippets from an interview with Michael Schumacher. I want to say it was like ninety six or ninety seven. I think. And it was essentially yeah. Schumacher sort of saying the rules on wheel-to-wheel combat need clarifying. They're not strong enough. I don't think there's anything wrong with the way I'm doing things. Other people seem to have a problem with it. And there were so many parallels between that and the sort of things Verstappen's been saying this season. And essentially yeah. the, what what this article I read was saying was like at that point in time, the rules of engagement were not particularly well written and there was a lot of grey area and what Schumacher did was say, all right, I'm going to exist in that grey area and force you to draw a line somewhere and that's kind of what Verstappen's doing now. He exists in that grey area and sooner or later they're going to have to start drawing some more solid lines on what is acceptable. I mean, they drew a pretty firm line on Schumacher when they disqualified him from the championship (laughs) in 97. That was quite a firm line, yeah. But he did kind of force the hand with that because yeah. you've got to remember like the incidents in the seasons leading up to that as well um, with like going against Damon Hill and stuff. Like that wasn't the first time he'd had one of those kind of incidents. Um, yeah. 
I wouldn't. Uh, to be fair, I wouldn't compare Verstappen to those incidents. I don't. No, I no, think no. The sorry, yeah. I, I wanted to be clear that I'm not. I'm just saying, like, sorry, more from Chris's point of view of um, kind of making the the parallel comparison of you know the way that they're approaching their driving style, saying I've got nothing to defend. What I'm doing's within the rules. If if it's you know if you change the rules. Then fine, I'll adhere to them. But at the moment, I'm I'm within the parameters that you've given me, and the yeah. the, the parity is there for sure. But it, it's definitely not like what Schumacher was doing in the nineties, which was a bit too far over the other side of that line that I think Verstappen plays jump rope with. Like, yeah. but Verst- Verstappen is clever enough to avoid contact for the most part, basically. Um, like I'm not saying there isn't contact because obviously there is, but. That's that's where he's very smart and why he's capable of doing what he does in that car in those situations and not a lot of other drivers are because he puts himself in that position yeah. and it's, it's like millimetres from the limit of what would be an incident yeah. with any well, other driver on that grid, more or less. They're karting moves, aren't they, really? They're, yeah. They're, they're mm, the kind yeah. of moves that you see sort of the young guys do in karting where they really, really want that position and they'll do anything. They'll, they will run you out of road for that yeah. position and they'll stay within. And the rules are essentially, as long as you stay within the right white lines, the other persons, they're in, they've got breaks. They're entitled mm, to yeah. not, they're not going to just let you through, but, and they're not, obviously they're not going to crash into you. So they're going to just run off the road and, and cut corners like we saw Hamilton do. Yeah. But at the same, at the same time, when he, when he doesn't get it right, then he can come a cropper. So one, exa- yeah. a couple of examples. I think the two examples where he had DNFs, uh, Silverstone and Italy, I think are perfect examples of that. He, I mean, Italy was just stupid. There was just no need for that to happen. And Silverstone, Hamilton played him at his own game. I think Hamilton yeah. did the exact mm-hmm. same thing. Sent it down. Sent one down the inside and gave the Verstappen the option of either turning in or or not turning in. And yeah. he chose, he made the wrong decision and, and cost himself a, but cost us all a really, really good race. That would have been a banger yeah. of a race between those two that. So, you know, like on balance, like I think as long as, I think it's, I think it's working out roughly fair. I think obviously it's led to some kind of iffy decisions. Um, and not necessarily all of the pressure should be put on the FIA by him putting him, them in this position. I think that it's clear, like certainly not on the stewards. I think it's clear that the rules do need to be clarified. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. And people need to know what what they're racing against and what, what is permittable. Yeah. And, you know, how they can bail out of these situations if they find another driver putting them in them. But... Yeah, I think all, you know, over the course of a season, it's kind of, he's gained from it and he's lost from it. And I think on balance, it's pretty fair, really. Yeah. So. Okay, so shall we do the the final team? Yeah. Yeah. So Mercedes um, finished first, what's new? <laughs> <laughs> um, eighth Constructors title, which is unprecedented, amazing result for them what a period of dominance that they've shown insane um a high i think my highlight for mercedes i've got um the brazil race yeah or the brazil race weekend highlight and low light i guess like they recovered 
it went beyond damage limitation. They they just killed it that race. They yeah. it was one of the most exciting to watch. I think especially if you're a Mercedes or Hamilton fan, you know that was just so electrifying to see a driver on another level. And there's no denying Hamilton that weekend was on a in a different stratosphere compared to everyone else. Like if that's even a phrase. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was amazing to see. Um, obviously, very, very hard fought, fought battle for the constructors. And Bottas, I think pretty average over the course of the season. Um, I think he, I think when you look at the gap or, or the results between the two over the year, I guess like a, a lot of that is because Hamilton and Verstappen were just in a different league above everyone else. Um, and mm. Bottas did eventually come best of the rest. But really, like when you're sort of getting, I think too often he was getting sucked down into the battles with the rest of the pack. Yeah. When really, when you're driving that car, you should really be, a, 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 there should be no man's land between you and that pack at the very least. And I think what really killed his season was um, his overtaking ability or lack thereof. Like the amount yeah. of times this year we've seen him just stuck behind slower cars and making no progress and there's I don't know, there's any doubt in anyone's mind that if you put Hamilton in that exact same position he'd be by them within like three laps yeah yeah I think that really did his season I, I think the thing that does go in Bottas's defense though this is this is like from my standpoint when I've tried to kind of look back at it and and sort of analyze it I guess statistically You've got to remember, like, he's got 11 podiums there compared to, say, Perez, who was arguably in the faster car for a period of the season, who's only got, whatever I said it was earlier, four podiums. Um, Sorry, well, five five total, because one was a win. Uh, so five. To- so he's got, like, more than double the podiums of who is, in theory, his nearest competitor. Yeah. Um, So I think there's some argument that, you know, he was getting the best results of anyone outside the top two. Um, I think his problem was maybe that the lows were extremely low. Yeah. Whereas Perez was sort of more consistently always there at that level. So even though the, you know, it was like much better highs than Perez, but also much worse lows. But yeah, it, it depends. You can pick and choose statistics, I guess, to, to yeah, fit your totally. narrative. So, can't yeah, you? that's true. So. Speaking of highs and lows, so you've got um, Bottas won in Turkey, um, which was a pretty good win, to be fair. Really good win, yeah. yeah. Especially after his last race at Turkey, which was <laughs> probably the worst race <laughs> of his entire career. Um, lows, the well, you've got the, the crash in Imola with Russell, which was a pretty... Yeah. Not necessarily Bottas's fault, but it was a, kind of a weird situation. That one was a bit of a low for him. And then the real big one is the, the smash in Hungary. Yeah. Yeah. Just so bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of it, some of it was also luck that didn't go his way. There was the whole world's longest pit stop in Monaco. Oh yeah, yeah. that absolutely screwed that result. Baku was a real low for him as well because yeah, if you remember, like Mercedes were just nowhere yeah. on pace for the whole weekend. They both qualified like way down, um, mm. and Hamilton was able to like work his way back up to the point where with a lap to go he was in second didn't finish there but he was he managed to get that far yeah. up and Bottas just didn't he finished the race in 12th and that was like that was the yeah. pace he had in that race yeah, yeah. I think for Mercedes Baku was the race if, if you if you had to single out a race weekend that sort of cost them the most I think that's the one 
Yeah. I think if yeah. Hamilton doesn't sort of have the car setup issue that that led him to leave brake magic on yeah and send him you know fully locked across the, the <laughs> face of turn one um then you know they've won the championship if yeah. they off if they win that off the top of your head can you remember where bottas was in qatar before he had to retire with the puncture issue I can't remember where he was running. I can't remember if that was I going think, to be a good result or an average one. I think, if I remember rightly, it was looking... Him and Perez were, like, close for fourth and fifth, and it was mm. whether either of them could then catch Alonso for third. So he was, like... He was definitely off the podium. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was he was on for a podium, I think. He, he maybe, yeah, yeah, he maybe actually, could yeah, have yeah, caught yeah. Alonso at the end. Yeah, but then, yeah, but obviously not to yeah. be. Um, so... Uh, very unlucky, I thought. Not obviously, we can't do this and not mention the final race. I think they were super, super unlucky there with the drivers' championship for Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, w- people have spoken at length about this, and there's not really anything more to add about it. So, there's I'm not yeah. going to get too far into it, other than saying it, they were very, 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 very unlucky. Yes. That's really <laughs> all you can. Yeah. That's all you can say at this point. It um, is. What, what what comes of that in the future? Hopefully, you know it'll lead to some firming up of of who's in charge on a race weekend and what rules are followed yeah. and how 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 a race is conducted by race control and the race director. But um, that it, is just yeah. a whole different podcast. I think we we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it sounds from like what bits of information have come out that. There were some pretty deep conversations between Mercedes and the FIA before Mercedes withdrew um, their appeal. So I think Mercedes are sort of they did that on the understanding that changes will be made. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, that that's that's got to always be the ultimate outcome for me. Like I, I, I mean, I think Stu's point was good in the review that we did of the fact that he hoped Mercedes pushed it not for a title to change hands, but for the clarity in future to to make sure that nothing like that can happen again. That's the important thing Mm -hmm. for me. Like I I, I don't really care whether you were a Hamilton side or a Verstappen side or you were neutral. The important thing for me is that there's, there's not so much power in one person's hands with this whole like the the thing of being being able to kind of dictate over and above the rules, and it, it it's, simply shouldn't be that one person yeah, can apply the rules shouldn't. ad hoc how yeah. they see fit. That that the, the rules should be written, and the rules should yeah. be the law. And if if they're written down in a proper way, then then it'll be very easy to follow the rules. The, the problem exactly. at the moment is they're not written very clearly, and there are complications within the rule book that you've got rules overriding other rules or people yep. say that rules override other rules and there's there's politics involved and people playing games with the rules and yep. really that's not what we need in sport what we cuz cuz at that point it's it's fake sport at that point it's not real and that, that that's a really strong term to use but it's WWE really at that point because there <laughs> are no rules then yeah. it's just we'll do whatever and that's not right so well, let's Let's move away from fake sport and bring it into reality, please. <laughs> well, we have we obviously have a new FIA president now. Um, Howard Ben Sliarman was voted in um, a yeah. few days ago, wasn't it? And he's yeah. not 
he's not said a whole lot publicly yet, but one of the things he has said is basically what happened in I will make sure what happened in Abu Dhabi won't happen again. So yeah. hopefully he sticks with his word on that and forces some changes through the stop that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just some highs for Hamilton and lows for Hamilton before we move on. So highs, obviously, Brazil dominance. That again, I've mentioned it already, but that race was just next level for Hamilton. Yeah. He he was on another league lows. Um, obviously, Abu Dhabi, Turkey was a bit of a a bit of a low from I think yeah. strategy errors there sort of cost him. Um, Azerbaijan, we've mentioned Italy was a low. Obviously, um, he would have felt he got taken out of the race. Um, Final point to make about Mercedes, just their strategy this year, I would say, has not been as on point as it has been no. in previous years. There's definitely been chinks in the armour there, mm-hmm. and they've struggled with the pressure, I think, at times in that strategy department. Definitely. And that's it's, something that they need to firm up. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I think at times Red Bull have outdone them in the strategy department. And ironically, that used to be Red Bull's biggest downfall at times, uh, similar to Ferrari's. Um, that was where they would cost themselves opportunities to claw back points from Mercedes when Mercedes were having a bad day, like uh, from a mechanical point of view or something like that, or, or whatever yeah. it might be. Um, and this season, I think Red Bull have probably overall done a better job there. But it's also the first season Mercedes have had a proper outsider title fight on their hands yeah yeah and that that speaks an interesting volume to me is the fact that it's the first time they've been in that situation and will it will they always struggle to that level like it's one thing being able to be cool and and have good strategy when you're out there 30 seconds in front of the rest of the pack but when you've got a championship contender in another team on your tail weekend weekend. I think part of the problem as well for Mercedes has been, I think Red Bull have on more than one occasion, as we've already mentioned, have had the dream number two driver. He's been able to influence uh, on, on many occasions. Perez has been able to influence Mercedes race in a way that they haven't experienced before. Definitely. I think that's a bit of a curveball because that's one tool that unfortunately Mercedes haven't necessarily had this season. They haven't had, the number two driver who's really been able to have much impact on Verstappen's race. You've seen every single time Verstappen and Bottas have come against, come up against each other. Verstappen's just sailed past him. Yeah. And which... whether that's because Bottas knew he wasn't going to be here for much longer and he didn't have much interest in helping Hamilton to another title or whether that's because he just doesn't have the ability to defend against Verstappen is, you know, that's anyone's guess. But definitely it's something that's cost Mercedes, I think, this mm. season. And it's weird because that's a the polar opposite of what they've been used to in recent years. Like, yeah, whenever in yeah. recent years there's been someone able to fight Mercedes for a win, they've always been two against one in Mercedes' favour. And, it's yeah, it's been very much the opposite a lot of the time. Um, I will say, to Mercedes' credit, though, like, we now know for a fact they didn't spend a single development token um, at the beginning of last year. They The, the rule changes for this season hurt them more than most i mean they came out it's easy to forget that mercedes came out of testing really struggling like we were going into the first race thinking mercedes might struggle to even be like top three teams at this rate and then they went and won the race obviously but and and we're also pretty certain mercedes didn't do any development on the car past like silverstone hungry sort of time and the fact that it's taken 
even with all of that, it's taken a Red Bull team throwing absolutely everything at this season and they still only took one of the two titles off Mercedes. It's kind of insane that it, like, it just shows the, the level that Mercedes operate at, that even with all those yeah. things going against them, they still took home one of the two titles. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to next season for Mercedes, where do you see them? I think they'll be still at the front, personally. Yeah, I, I think that they'll be. I think they'll probably end up having a season similar to this one. I think un, unless somebody hits some sort of groundbreaking design, magic bullet with the new aero, then I think that we we will have um, a bit of a sort of wild west scenario at the front where. You've hmm. got just different teams every really other week. Hope you, so. I mean, what is it? Twenty twelve was it the seven winners in seven races yeah. thing? Twenty twelve, yeah, yeah. Like, and that one went down to the wire as well. That I'd, I'd honestly expect something similar to that. I'd love unless, to see unless that. someone's got like a a, a brawn blown diffuser magic bullet kind of thing <sighs> that just means they dominate ten races until everybody else catches Ooh, up. Ooh, here's a question: If you could have one team come up with a silver bullet that was going to give them like first half of next season a really really dominant car but they're not necessarily gonna be able to carry that through for an entire season similar to Braun and basically if you could have Braun again which team would you have? <laughs> Braun again I mean I'm, um, Braun I'm, again? I'm, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> you know what that that didn't trigger for me until Stu reacted <laughs> like he did Braun again <laughs> um, I'd be selfish and I'd probably say McLaren on that one McLaren's been the team I've consistently followed throughout my entire Formula 1 fandom uh, I mean I, I have different teams that I sort of ebb and flow with a little bit for different reasons but if I could choose one team to give that like yeah. that power to it would be McLaren <laughs> I'd like Williams, it to be... for me go on Go on, then. I, I, I think we're long. I'd like, I'd like to be someone just completely unexpected, like like a Williams yeah. or just like an Alfa Romeo or something. Like yeah. <laughs> Alfa, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really care for Alfa Romeo. I, I mean, it'd be an absolute spanner in the works. For, yeah, for that's Ari, kind of what I was the case. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> but um, like Alfa Tauri, imagine if Alfa Tauri yeah. were just suddenly the, the class of the field. The trouble um, is, if if they did that, the their magic bullet parts would be on the Red Bull by the second race. Yeah, quite quickly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so well, they just repaint the cars. I, yeah, yeah, maybe. I'd pick Williams. I'd go Williams. I think for mine. Yeah. I think I'd like to see it. Be, it'd just be the the craziest thing to see. Like, especially that they've got a new driver, haven't they? Who's the new driver going to Williams? Alex Albon. Year? Alex Albon. That's not a new new driver, but a, <laughs> new for them. You know, a, a new new for Williams driver. And to see Alex Albon <laughs> smashing everyone in a Williams would just be ridiculous. Suddenly turns on the front row like, what's happening? Yeah, it's like, hi guys. <laughs> a wild was Albon kind. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, that's where we're at. Actually, one final word actually on the speculation that Hamilton might not come back next year. That's wild speculation, I know. But do you think that's fantasy? Do you think that's people just... I can't see media it happening. ...just trying to get clicks? I, I genu- I, yeah, I just genuinely think it's the media trying to make stories out of the fact that he won't talk to them. Like, yeah, they, yeah. they can't get an actual soundbite out of him, so therefore they just make something up to get the clicks from the people that would have clicked on the soundbite 
had he given them one. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think, if anything, there was, through all of this, there was more chance of Mercedes pulling the plug than there was of Hamilton retiring. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's why the FIA have sort of been... a. a, They seem to be being relatively compliant with Mercedes about what they're going to do about Mm -hmm. this stuff. Um, I think... I mean, how many times this season have we said, like, when Hamilton gets annoyed by something or feels aggrieved by something, he comes back and he's just, like, unbeatable. (laughs) That's how he responds to things. So I think he's going to have a very quiet winter and come back next year, like, hungrier than ever, honestly. Yeah, he's going to reach his final form. (laughs) He hasn't even reached his final form. (laughs) Okay. I think it's awards time. It's awards time. It's always nice to give us some awards. Um, We have... A number to give out so we'll we'll get straight into it um the one we always start with is rookie of the year only three to choose from this year uh yuki snoda mick schumacher and nikita mazepin i think it's obvious is it not <sighs> if mazepin, i'm honest right? yeah <laughs> of course it's to you to be honest like none of them have been brilliant this season no, no there's not really a standout i think like if you're going to give it to him you've got to give it to schumacher because he's annihilated his teammate um, yeah, Sonoda fourth place podium, almost a podium in Abu Dhabi would have been nice. We didn't actually get a chance to challenge for the podium. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Scott Schumacher. I yeah, mean, it has one, to be. Yeah, I, I think I think this is the thing. Like Schumacher's definitely hands down smashed Mazepin out of the park, and I think were Sonoda in equal machinery to the two of them, Schumacher would have probably beat Sonoda as well. Yeah, I think, I think so. that's the context that I look at it. That yeah, if Sonoda wasn't so far ahead of them with the car he has, Schumacher would have probably been the winner of those three on a weekend bit. You know, every weekend basis. <laughs> Paul in the chat has said, "Shouldn't it be Alonso after he did the young driver test?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if he's if he's young enough to do a young driver test. <laughs> but no, I agree. I think it has to be Schumacher. Cool. Yeah, that's, um, that's a done deal then. Next award, going even more junior, the Future Star Award that we always do um, for the most impressive junior category driver. Mm. I think, I think from an F, because I think we're looking at both F two and F three, are we not? Are we, are we picking of, one of, from each, or are we picking just, overall? I think we we pick one winner, but I've I've listed a few names okay. that kind of stood out from the two. Okay, if I had to pick one overall from both the feeder series, I'd say Doohan. In Formula Three, interesting. I think he's had a really solid year, and I just feel like there's so much potential there. Not um, Dennis Hoger, the winner of Formula Three. I mean, yeah and no. I don't. I don't know. It like, I think the the difference for me is more um, the sort of. I, you know, you know, when someone's like kind of got natural talent, but you can't see how much they'll grow. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like they're talented, but there's not necessarily uh, room for improvement or whatever, or not as much room for improvement because they're already kind of peaking. I just right, feel yeah. like Dewan's maybe got a little bit more room to grow Once further, again. if you see what I mean. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you can't take it away from anyone in the probably the top three of that. I mean, Novelak had a good season as well. I don't know if mm-hmm. we've got him listed down, but like the top three of Formula Three were all absolutely on form throughout yeah. the whole season. It was close between... I mean, 
Hauer ended up running away with it eventually, but you know, Dewan kept him honest for a long time. Yeah. Mm. Um, for me, it's Piastri. I think if you win the F2, yeah. then you deserve like, to be rookie. Of the and, year. and like, and well, he didn't use his future stat. Like he didn't even win it either. Like he, okay, it went down to the last round, but like he smashed it. <laughs> Only on like yeah. a technicality yeah. of maths, <laughs> and that's like three, three junior series championships in a row. Which like I think Russell did it, and I think Leclerc did that, yeah. and not yeah. many before have done that. Like it's honestly it's criminal that Piastri doesn't have an F one seat next year. Oh yeah, hundred percent. He's 100%. so good. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. who would you rather see in that Williams, Albon or Piastri? Ah, uh, that's difficult because I really like Alex see, Albon. <laughs> see, I'd have Albon and I'd be booting Latifi out of Piastri. <laughs> that's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. If, if it but was then... my team, and and obviously it depends on money <laughs> situations and stuff. Yeah, you'll but... be building a car for next year, though. That'd be a yeah, problem. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, well, it's it's like the whole like. People argue that's why Lance Stroll has a seat, doesn't it? Over well, yeah. over mm. certain people, like no there wouldn't be a that. car if he wasn't there. So yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's true. I'm totally with you on Piastri <laughs> for that, though. I, I think he's okay. yeah phenomenal, and I really hope he gets a spot in 2023. Yeah. And this is going to sound really silly, but it's a really Formula One name, <laughs> well, Piastri. Piastri. Mm. It's just you can you can imagine that name being on a Formula One grid, can't you? You can, yeah. It lends yeah. itself. You can it's hear a commentator saying it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah next award. This is, this is a heck of a list to choose from. Uh, best new circuit. I think we should rank these. I think we should rank them. We've got Zandvoort. There's three there. Okay. We've got the La Salle circuit in uh, Qatar and we have the Jeddah circuit in Saudi Arabia. What are the criteria that we're working to here? Um, is I it, guess is just it event overall, or is it just the circuit? I think is it's it the racing. I think it's whatever we want it to be. I think we can make whatever argument we want to. Okay, because as an event, I would love nothing more than. In fact, I would put it to the top of my list of Grand Prix I want to go to. Zambia yeah. looks electrifying. This... This is the thing that bugs me the most. I think I've I've recently said this as well when we're talking about things like this, but the circuits that I love going to the most for their atmosphere and like how much fun I have there have always been the ones that stereotypically don't give you that good of a race, like Barcelona mm. or Hungary or whatever. <laughs> and I think Zandvoort falls exactly into that category of the atmosphere will be amazing. Yeah. However... If you said how much of it will you remember? Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, if you start watching it at home, it's a race that you could almost skip. Mm. Like, you could watch qualifying and then go, okay, yeah. I'll, I think I'll watch the highlights on Sunday. Qualifying at Zandvoort is a is a spectacle, man. That's yeah. a r- legit track, I think, for qualifying. But I think for a race. Maybe next year's cars will be different, but yeah. this yeah, year, race-wise, it didn't really do the business. And yeah, it, it was kind of a, not necessarily a procession, because stuff happened, plenty happened, but it was just, it was led from the front, and yeah. no one could really catch the leader, and that was that kind of thing. Um, I think in second place for me is probably La Salle Circuit in Qatar, and then for Jeddah. I kind Jeddah's of agree with that. There's some there's some work to do, I think, in Jeddah to make it yeah. safer and to just sort of 
some of the corners I think like don't necessarily well uh, just aren't corners so that yeah. need to exist it loads straight away yeah but um also there were a lot of times watching the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix where I felt quite nervous mm-hmm. about what I was seeing like I, and it wasn't yeah. necessarily to do with the action at the front which was bonkers it was more to do with just the speeds they were going and to me, it seems like a bit of a death trap, that circuit. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, it's, didn't it's enjoy it at all. fast for the sake of being fast, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. And it's not it's not necessarily the right way to build the circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it, it is a difficult one, but I think overall there's like so many things that Zandvoort offers that kind of make up for what can be a bit of a pre, you know, predetermined race by the grid kind of thing it's like it's like the monaco element like monaco is quite processional but so many people love to go and be part of it and have that <laughs> on the calendar because there's there's far more about that weekend than just the 90 minute race yeah and yeah, i think zandvo 100 falls into that category um i mean with max verstappen not on the grid that would probably be a very different story yeah. but yeah. While ever he's on the grid, that race is going to end up being yeah. number one for atmosphere, I think, or when overall. Yuri, is it Yuri Vips? Who, is he from the Netherlands? No, Vips he's is Estonian. Estonian. Yeah. Is he Estonian? Yeah. 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 Who, there's there's another driver from the Netherlands, though, who's... De- Nick De Vries. <laughs> Nick De Vries, yeah. yeah. There's another they, one. Yeah, like, I mean, Holland have two... Well, sorry, the Netherlands have two, um, two world champions this year, don't they? <gasps> I was going to say, that's going to be a pub quiz question a few years' time. In 2021, which Dutch driver was the first... Um, who, who was the first Dutch FIA single-seater world champion? And the correct answer is Nick De Vries. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, such a trick question. Quick word on LaSalle. Vish- Sorry, Vishua. Is that what you're that's, thinking I of? Think, yeah, I think that's the answer. Richie Vishua. Yes. Yeah. Um, quick word on LaSalle. I think it's kind of... I feel like that circuit's fine. Like it has, I think there's potential there, but it would need some changes to be a permanent F1 circuit. To me, it just felt like Bahrain, but less good, if I'm honest. Yeah, it felt like Bahrain out of loop to me at a lot of, in a lot of places. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Like you're never really lower than... It's a bit faster. Fourth gear for most of the circuit. Yeah. In fact, no, like fifth or sixth. I think it looks... At- looks a really really fun circuit to drive for the drivers all the drivers are really complimentary yeah. about it I, I you know I'd, I'd i'd be happy to watch more well we will be watching more races around there won't we by the look of it but um am i right in thinking they got a deal for they did didn't they they got a big deal for they got a multi, big, big multi-year deal yeah. yes but it's so there won't be a race next year because the world cup in theory it's there the year after but i think they're planning on building a street circuit for it for them although mm. Whether they have a street circuit ready in time is a different question. Then again, they did the one in Saudi Arabia in like three weeks or whatever it was. So, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to see them alternate maybe between a random street circuit in in Qatar and the La Salle circuit. Yeah, maybe there's nothing wrong with the La Salle circuit, but then there's so much money flying around in that part of the world, they could just do what they want anyway, can't they? So, <laughs> True. Um, they could they could reshape the streets into the La Salle <laughs> circuit, and no one would know. <laughs> um, I think what we're saying though is. Zanvort is is our winner, right? Yeah, yeah I, I think for definitely. that one against all odds, <laughs> it's Zanvort. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, right, now we're going to get into the awards we give out for every race, which I've gone back and totaled up. Uh, the first one we're going to do is the Daniel Ricciardo Award for Most Move of the Day Awards. Most Move of the Ooh. Days. Who do you think um, that is? Yeah, so I've already tied them up, but who do you think who do you think we've given the most move of the days to? Mm. Gasly. Yeah, Gasly. Gasly. Do you know what? Gasly has zero move of the days this season. What? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm gonna go. Signs. Signs. We only gave one to. Uh, Hamilton? Uh, Hamilton also only won. Norris? Uh, Norris got three, so you're getting closer. Okay, we're just, we're just really enough driving now. Who is it? Uh, the winner with six Movie of the Day awards is, in fact, Sergio Perez. Wow, oh, go nice. Perez. Yeah. Well M- done. Most of them in the back end of the season as well. It was like Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Brazil, Turkey. Um, but yeah, so he got six. Alonso, we gave five to. Verstappen wow. and Vettel were four each. Norris, three. And then Sainz, Hamilton, Stroll, and Latifi got one each. <laughs> you know what <laughs> nice. I like about this? That it's entirely natural and not partisan in any way because we forget. As soon as we <laughs> yeah, as soon yeah. as you've recorded the podcast, you, it just leaves your mind. You don't know yeah. who you've given the votes to because <laughs> you move on with your life. Completely. <laughs> like when I was looking back, it's like, Latifi, is that a typo? But no, yes, we did give Latifi <laughs> a move of the day. <laughs> wow. Um, what was Latifi's? Can it you remember? Was, um, it was Zanvort. He, I think he went around the outside of someone at turn one, if I remember rightly. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Um, next is Driver of the Day Awards. Who did we give the most Driver of the Day Awards to, do you think? I'm going to go Norris for this one. Because that the start of the uh, season, he he killed it. He was winning, uh, finishing the points. I think, yeah. Points. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. It, I'll, t- I'll tell you. You're right, but it's also a three way tie, so you've got was, a chance to be correct as well. So, so the other the other one that I was going to suggest is Verstappen, and the reason I think Verstappen is not only has he had an amazing season, but I feel like a lot of the times through this season, we said, I know we don't normally always give it to the guy that's won the race, but. And I feel like we said that a lot. Yeah. So Lewis, Lewis and Max must be up there. Yeah, what? they must be. Yeah, so it's a three-way tie at the top, three apiece for Norris, Verstappen, and Leclerc was the other one. Oh, Leclerc. nice. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, Silver, Silverstone's definitely got one of them for Leclerc, surely. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was Silverstone and um, the first Austria race was another yeah, one. Makes sense. I can't find his other one. Oh, um, Silverstone. Yeah, of course you said. Um, yeah. Yeah, so then Hamilton, Vettel and Bottas all got two each. And then one apiece for Perez, Ocon, Russell Sainz, Alonso, Giovinazzi and Sonoda. All got driver of the day as well once. Nice. Um, right. Now, now time for some chaos. Um, <laughs> the Actually, let's let Seb play a sound play the thing? Yeah, the thing. Seb, come in please, Seb. <laughs> Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? So go now, Seb. He just slams the door on his way. (laughs) (laughs) Right. These are so abstract, they're impossible to total up. But what what I will do is I'll just read to you what we gave them for for the whole season. And we can pick our favorite. (laughs) What? This is going to be like, all right, strap yourselves in. Yeah. Here you go, 22 
WTFs. Buck, buckle up, everyone. How quick can you reel these off? How quickly can you reel these off? I'm just not, don't stop. Just keep going for I'm not going to go thing. too quick because you need to actually, like, <laughs> take a second Digest. to save them. All right. Okay. So, Bahrain was Mazepin's entire weekend. Five spins, <laughs> ruined qualifying for lots of drivers, and then crashed at turn three. Yeah, that was it. Uh, Imola, inconsistent safety car rules. Portugal, <laughs> Raikkonen driving Ooh. into the back of his teammate <laughs> in a straight line. <laughs> Can can I just point out? I love the fact that we predicted the end of the season yeah, with the know, right? WTF. <laughs> um, where do I get to? Yeah, Portugal right and drive through to teammate straight line. Spain, Giovinazzi having a flat tire before it was even on the car. I have no recollection of this. Oh yes, what they brought the tire out of the garage and it was flat and they had to take it back in. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, the, the guy was punching it. Do you not remember the guy punching the tire? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember. Um, Monaco, camera cutting away from the one interesting thing that happened in the race. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was was, we, we was that where you went to stroll? Of, yeah, yeah Heimo and Stroll were just bouncing over curbs just as, what was it? What, what was the move? Was... I can't even remember because all I can remember is Stroll bouncing over the curb. Yeah. I can just remember yeah. Stroll's face coming up on that side swipe animation. Yeah. Um, Azerbaijan was Max's painty tyres, if you remember that. I don't remember them there. I just remember them at... Uh, one of the recent oh, yeah, races. Oh, yeah, he rolled, he rolled out of the pits and the paint was just a bit too fresh. Off yeah. The road yeah. And, and um, just round the white wheel. France was tree cam. Good old tree cam. Tree cam. Um, <laughs> Styria, Bottas spinning in the pit lane, which is another thing I yes. completely forgot yeah. even happened. It was um, in a practice session now, wasn't it, officially? Yeah. For Austria, but, yeah. we just put the national anthem. And I can't remember why the national anthem was weird, but <laughs> it apparently was, it, it was. It was that crazy rock group kind of thing that they had going oh, on. Yes, singing yes, it, it like, was. Full on. It was very Eurovision, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Hungary, obviously, the one car grid. That um, was bizarre. Yeah, yeah. That, that was I was cool. going to say that. That was going to be my, my yeah. one of the season. So that's I, the one that stands in my memory. The, so that's one that stands out for me. Another one that stands out for me is Belgium, which was... Our car got back to the garage under its own power when we all oh saw the car God. on the back <laughs> of the truck. <laughs> yep. Ridiculous. Yeah. That was the that was the turning point for Christian Horner for me. That's when I stopped liking Christian Horner. <laughs> that was when he became point. Karen Horner. Um <laughs> the Netherlands. The, the beginning that was the very beginning of the transformation. It really was, yeah. <laughs> the, the, Karen Horner wouldn't reach her final form until a few races are at <laughs> The seeds were sown. Yeah. Um, Netherlands was Nico Rosberg without any prompting admitting to peeing himself on the grid before every race that was <laughs> yeah, so that was weird. weird yeah I remember that that was the strangest weird. thing oh this is such fun uh, Italy Ted Kravitz meets Vin Diesel <laughs> <laughs> classic yeah <laughs> that was good um, wasn't it Italy when they ha- they also had a um, an Olympic sprinter Yes, like at the front of the grid to do a little photo shoot at the start of the race. <laughs> yeah. And then they had to like usher them away because they were taken. Because everyone had left. <laughs> yeah. um, Russia was Alonso skipping turn two, which is hilarious because we also gave that move of the day, which is really <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Turkey was the most useless team radio in history from Ferrari. Do you remember that? Was that the okay copy thing? No, that was um, Leclerc saying, at this pace, where will we finish the race? And the response was, if you stay ahead of Bottas first. It's like, well, yeah, I know <laughs> that because I'm in first. <laughs> uh, USA, just everything about Shaq turning up. 
Yeah. That oh yeah, with the with the Shaq mobile. The meme, the meme of oh, him on the podium with them others and they shrunk all <laughs> Still one of my favourite things oh, of the that entire season. Best thing. That was great. Yeah. Um Mexico was the sky presenters getting swarmed by a motorbike display team. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Uh Brazil was not investigating the thing that needs investigating. <laughs> which I'm sure yeah. we all remember well. <laughs> Qatar was a tie between Mercedes not pitting Bottas and Gasly just waving the stap and past. Uh, Saudi Arabia was the auction of rib places. And of course, Abu oh, Dhabi. They get, they get a bit sour, don't they? They do. Yeah. And of course, Abu Dhabi was Massey making up his own rules. <sighs> what I love about all this, by the way, is that Paul appears to have Hamilton on the grid on his own as a picture on demand 24 <laughs> 7 doesn't doesn't matter what the scenario is paul in discord has that picture ready to go mm, on speed <laughs> dial <laughs> um i think like really like there's only one that can po- probably truly be the wtf of the year and maybe of the century and that has it's just got to as, as sour as this is it has just got to be Massey making up his own rules. I have never seen anything like it. It's absolutely bonkers. And I'm still yeah. not fully over it. <laughs> it. It's it's sad because it takes away from what usually is the lighthearted nature of the award and yeah. why we give it to like add a bit of a, here's something silly that happened this weekend, I- but... It, it obviously does get used for the, what are we actually doing? Like, what is seriously going on here at this point? And yeah. sadly, that, it, that will be the talking point of the next, like, 20 30 years in formula one it will but i'm gonna i'm gonna try and push them in the direction we normally go in and say that yeah the one car grid in hungary is just the most bizarre mm. thing i've ever seen in formula one i've never been yeah. so utterly baffled by a sport yeah i was spe- <laughs> i was just like what are we seeing yeah and in- what would have happened like and the, the, the amount of questions it raised as well like what what do they do if everyone pits? yeah <laughs> you know? like what do they just like run the st- i think they said they'd run the start sequence yeah. anyway for no cars on the grid <laughs> and then open the pit lane and then open the pit lane like, so good wow just like it just shows you what a like mental bonkers roller coaster ride of a se- roller coaster ride of a season it really been. does like I have never known a season like this one for WTFs. It's just madness, absolute madness. So, yeah, I will happily, happily give it to the one car grid. Yeah, let's give it to the fun one. Yeah, all right, cool. Um, All right, we're getting to the tricky ones now. Race of the year. There are so many to choose from. Um, Um, At least 22. Um, (laughs) Where do we start? Yeah, I think... For me, the one that's st- it's quite recent, but the, the one that really sticks in my mind, not necessarily, oh, maybe not race of the year, but is there one for performance of the year? Nah. Because Brazil for me was hectic. Like, I, I I've would never still, seen a car gone. I'd still put Brazil up there as one of the races of the year. Even though it was like the story of a single driver, it was still one of the most enjoyable races I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah. So I don't think you're wrong I mean, to, to bring that up. to see a car go from the back to the front and then go from, you know, well, almost the back to the front again during the race. Yes. Well, halfway back to the front during the race. To see that twice over the course of two days is a treat that will probably never, ever 
get to see again. Yeah. I think that that is a once in a lifetime yeah, thing. That unbelievable. There because it's just the the combination of car and driver will never exist again to allow that to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to me that was like that was a real privilege to see that. Like without sort of being too fanboy Hamilton, you know. Oh, it totally was, yeah. I just think even if if that had been Verstappen, I would have been hyped. I would have I'd have loved every minute of it because it's it was just so exciting to see that adversity be overcome by by just a man and his machine. It's one of those things like we, we say it fairly often. It's one of those things where sometimes you have to step away from any like anything you're a fan of, or any preferences, and just like yeah. appreciate what it is you're seeing. And that's absolutely one yeah. of those. Um, what other races? Um, Baku was very entertaining. Um, yeah, Baku was good. I think the some of the officiating around the time it took to call red flags and stuff maybe soured that one a little bit, um, but still a very entertaining race. Um, the British Grand Prix was incredible. Again, not necessarily for the reasons you want it to be, but it was it. very entertaining. I, it. I didn't see it live. I was gutted. Um, Hungary was very good. Hungary was wild, oh. but I think like it's hard to give that a race of the year because of just like the the heel dippy way that it it sort of played out in the beginning. Like Bottas going into the back of Verstappen, I feel like all of the Verstappen fans would just hate us forever. <laughs> we would lose yeah. all of our Netherlands contingent if um, if we gave it to that one. So we can't give it to that. One. Insanely, France, I think, is up there. I never thought him as I was saying this, but the French Grand Prix was. Very, very good this year. Yeah, I mean that sort of goes with my feelings about Sochi as well. Yeah, Pain- Although, painful in a way, but it was still entertaining. I think it was very like loaded within a small number of laps. I think is the only thing that puts yeah, me off true. Sochi. True. I think, yeah. I think though, the one I'm gonna go for is Monza. Not just yeah. because, like, the fact that it was Ricardo winning as McLaren won two, that was all amazing. But you also had this Verstappen Hamilton kind of duel going on through the race, obviously culminating in the crash. You had Bottas coming through the pack to finish on the podium, didn't he, Bottas, from like yeah. the back of the grid? Um, I think that's had a bit of everything. Yeah, I think that's the one I'm going to go for. Yeah. I can I can go, I can go for that. I could definitely go for that. I think overall, like yeah, like it, it it was it felt like a complete race. It gave you the total yeah. package of like what you expect from mm. a Formula One race. It gave you it was actually it was the almost the best of all. Apart, you don't want to see crashes, obviously, but it had a, it did have that drama element. It had excitement. It had difference as well like you don't you know had had teams doing well when you don't necessarily expect teams mm-hmm. to be doing as well as they were so yeah i think definitely italy is 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 worth a shout yeah that was easy i thought it would be <laughs> we came mm-hmm. to a consensus much quicker there <laughs> um, um okay cool moving on the next one we've gone got down is the very vague moment of the year Hmm. could be pretty much anything. Mm. And I feel like we should try and keep it... Well, I was going to say we should try and keep it a more positive one, but I do think some of the defining moments of this season have uh, not necessarily been the most positive ones, but I don't know. Yeah. It's a funny season like that. It is. I think definitely there's been... 
for every high and for every excitement period there's been over the course of a race weekend, there's always been multiple sort of negatives around it as well, weirdly. Like mm. the way some of this, this, I think the stewarding, you know, has, has really, really cast a shadow over the entire season. I think it's not been right for a long time. I think going into the start of the season, it wasn't, it already wasn't quite right then and it just got worse and worse and worse and i think the wtfs that we just went through show that yeah yeah um but in terms of a moment of the year you know i think you're gonna see a lot of photos of it because they're everywhere all the time in all the f1 content i think the picture of verstappen sitting on top of hamilton's car verstappen's car sitting on the top Mm -hmm. of hamilton's car is kind of like a that photo kind of encapsulates the season almost for me yeah. like it's just it just if, if there's if you wanted to describe the season in a photo that would be the one that you would show yeah. people it's either that or so. it's um the two of them coming together at silverstone like they were yeah. real yeah. like critical turning points of the way the season played out yeah mm. i think i think the one in italy just because it's a bit less of a stinker I yeah think the one in the one in silverstone was shrouded with Karen Horner reaching her final form um, and just uh, there was a lot of silliness around yeah. that like you know some mm. of the rhetoric around like the we, we talked about the way Verstappen drives and how it's just hard racing and you know we should have a lot of time for that I think you can say the exact same thing about that incident with Hamilton and Verstappen at Silverstone I think it's just mm-hmm. yeah. it was just hard racing and one driver came off worse than the other yeah. and was quite lucky to not pick up an injury actually in the process but it would have been his own to my mind it would have been his own fault if he picked up an injury because he could have left more room yeah yeah so for me the moment of the season is the Verstappen on top of Hamilton I think it's just a comical image that yeah. that encapsulates it really nicely that's it's a good I, one I don't know if I feel biased for my suggestion but my suggestion is watching McLaren get a one-two I mean, yeah, albeit Verstappen and Hamilton were out of the fight because of that incident you've just been talking about. But the thing is, though, I, I think, think they were there partly on merit as I well. Think, I think they'd have still won that race. They they were very mm. much there on pace. I genuinely think they would still won that race regardless of that crash. Yeah, yeah I think they would have as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like knowing my allegiances, I feel like I'm being biased, but <laughs> I, I can also... F- hopefully feel a lot of neutrals going no yeah mclaren one two was pretty good well, we could we could just give the whole thing to the italian grand prix <laughs> the moment of the year of yeah. the season the defining race of the season was the italian grand prix i think so yeah yeah the only other one that springs to mind for me is like hamilton winning in brazil and like driving around with the brazilian flag and like on the podium with it not just because like you know not because hamilton won but you know not going to have any fanboy roots or anything but i think that was like before that i'd kind of accepted that oh verstappen's won this now like it's kind Season of out yeah, yeah and after that it was like oh damn we've still got a championship on our hands yeah. like this is like that kind of it lit it on fire didn't it, it really did yeah 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 oh that's you've made it really difficult for me i didn't want to go i've, I've waxed lyrical about that race <laughs> i should have i should have saved it for this moment um but then roxy's just posted I, a gift of a gift of ricardo doing a shoey <laughs> on the podium and that's like leaning me back towards that now i, I will also Ooh, point so out gross. that 
there's there was a lot of imagery of like obviously the, I know there was controversy around it at the time, but the images of watching Verstappen have that first moment of I'm a world champion mm-hmm. will always kind of be burned in my mind in the same way that I remember like you know I remember like Lewis's first and I remember like yeah. Jensen's and stuff like that. There's there's certain ones that just sort of like people's first titles kind of hit home a little bit mm-hmm. and as much as there was like what was going on at the time you've got to remember like how hard he has worked in his still relatively short life uh, to this point like to uh, to earn what he's achieved basically yeah. and it, it is pretty damn impressive like to be at the age that he is much like when Verstappen ever uh, Verstappen come <laughs> to turn him into a super driver now uh Vettel won his first with Red Bull yeah like that's another one like almost in a similar sort of like just explosion of emotion between Christian Horner and the driver like there was, there was a very eerie sort of yeah. similarity between that radio message to Verstappen and that one to Vettel that sort of hit home a little bit when he was when when he came on the radio to tell him, but but then you also had Alex Albon just screaming down the radio. As well, well. There, yeah, there was that yeah. as well. <laughs> like there was oh. a lot of emotion right then. This is a tough. Lot. Um, I can't. I don't think I can give it to. The oh no, no, I'm not saying I want to give I mean, it overall to that. I'm just saying that there's there's got to be like a a little bit of a nod to. I can nod to it. I can that. nod to it, but I think the size of the asterisk next to it. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, like, isn't it? That is the it. problem. Yeah, yeah. I, th- um, I think I'm being maybe drawn towards the McLaren one too. The more I think about it, yes. <laughs> okay, I can. I can. See, at least it's in the race that I chose. Yeah, I can very much see race. your argument. I think. I think yours is a very close second to you, but I. I like your. T- I, I, I prefer the. I prefer the McLaren one because it's more positive. <laughs> I think that. The the again the the car on top of another car is kind of a negative thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you both some so. papaya caps for next year. Don't nice, worry. oh nice one. Yeah, <laughs> I join my never club. Wear because I don't wear punter gear. All right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Last two awards, big ones. First up, team of the year doesn't necessarily mean the team that won the championship. No, um, it's all kind of relative. It's difficult I mean, that one. For the, for the reasons I outlined earlier on, I think you can make a good argument for it being Mercedes. Yeah. Um, I think you can make a good argument for it being Ferrari. I think you can as well. That was going to be yeah. my next. Well, I'm glad that you've both gone down that route because that was my, what I thought was going to be my curveball mm-hmm. is for Ferrari, like keeping it together, having both drivers getting good results and not letting McLaren being ahead of them phase them like it would have potentially in other seasons. And just keeping the head down and getting it done yeah to get the result and actually at times making some good strategic decisions <laughs> yeah i know Who knew? that's true what um, what th- maybe they've been making some hires in the strategy department yeah maybe i think they only had like one person working there before which is... <laughs> um, i'm gonna go ferrari i think that they've moved forward a lot as well they've gained three places in yeah. the championship I think compared um, to where everyone expects them to be, they've definitely overachieved this year. Um, I only hope, and they've, they've got a wicked driver lineup as well. Yeah, don't you love their drivers? Oh they're, yeah, they've got two of the two of the yeah. most likable, awesome drivers on the grid. Two of the most talented drivers on the grid as well. 
Um, and wouldn't you love to see them both doing really, really well next season? Yeah, like yeah. I was about to say, I only hope that their success this year hasn't been at the expense of next year, but I don't get the feeling it is, to be honest. I mean, my, my ultimate dream at this moment in time is for that Ferrari pairing to be going toe-to-toe with the current McLaren pairing weekend after weekend yeah. next season. For, like, for the- for the big points that that's sort of like the the peak of where i became a true f1 fan is sort of the late 90s into the early noughties where you had hakkinen and coulthard versus schumacher and barrichello and like so for me to like bring that back with four of the most likable drivers on the grid right now if not the four most likable drivers (laughs) on the grid right now and to have those two like top tier names of the sport going toe to toe again that oh, that yeah. would be like perfection for me next season. Yeah. If it I happened. mean, w- wouldn't you love like a four way? Wouldn't you love oh, Mercedes, yeah. Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren? Like a combo oh, yeah. of like it's the so last good. sort of twenty so years good. of Formula One, all going toe to toe at the very top, yeah. taking chunks out of each other. Just it'd be like watching Transformers fight. Do you know what I mean? Like just yeah. like these yeah. huge <laughs> titans just taking chunks out of each other. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean, you um, never know, the cars might look like Transformers as well. well yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think then in what's maybe the biggest surprise in the history of this podcast, given what we've said about them over the years. I, yeah, whoa, whoa, can we do this? Can we actually, can we just take a step back for a second? Of course we can. Our, our numbers are down in Italy. We need to do this for the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, other, other than Mercedes, I can't Will everyone think hate you can make a better argument for. Will everyone hate us for this though? Well, everyone, if anyone <laughs> nah. disagrees, they can send in their own choices. Yeah, that's true. They can, and they can tell us how wrong we were about ours. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it wouldn't be the first time we've been told we're wrong. All right, so. Ferrari, it's happening. It's Ferrari. Um, I mean, I Jeff, say, Jeff, Jeff is thrilled. I mean, I, yeah, I was about to say I Jeff will, is now will, the happiest man in Discord. I will, I will caveat this with the amount of free money they get just for showing up. They ought to be doing a lot better. Ah, it's budget cap these but, days, isn't it? Yeah, but still getting loads of free money. <laughs> I'm going to move this on before Stu gets on his soapbox. <laughs> um, right, final one, the big one, driver of the driver of the year. We normally don't let ourselves have the easy get out by saying we can't pick the world champion. I think this year we should say we can't pick the top two in the championship because either would be way yeah. too easy a choice for us. Yeah, uh, I mean, when you're excluding the two championship contenders, I'd say. Perez probably has one of the strongest cases, if not the best one, with what he did to like help Verstappen to that title. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, science is obviously a really good case, yeah. like we've already talked about, the fact that he was in a new team this year and he's out, done his teammate and come home like best of the rest, so to put it. Um, at one point, I wanted it to be Norris, but I just think the end of the season was a little bit too weak. Until um, when would it have been? Um, I guess until like the race after Russia, Turkey would have been. Norris yeah. was one hundred percent my pick for this. Yeah, same. Um, and can you take it off him for the races, like for the end of the season? Like, how much of that was actually his fault? Mm. It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, Like I, I agree with both of you. Perez, the, the three that I had in mind were Perez, Sainz, and Norris. 
Same. Same. Um, Same. So. Same <laughs> so we've got to pick. We've got to rank them. So rank so basically them. what we've done is eliminated the top three from the title fight I mean, anyway. It was, it was and then gone for the next top five. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and just gone, gone further down. I think overall my... I would give, I would go in the order of Science, Perez, Norris. That would be my order. What, first to third? Yeah. <sighs> See, I, I almost still want to give it to Norris. Like, So who's your first then? Who's I your think, second? I think for me it's Norris, Science, Perez. Oh, no. Well, mine's the same as Chris's, but I feel like mine's really biased. The thing is, like, although Norris, his season definitely tailed off towards the end, like, he was still in the points for every single one of those, like, tailed That's off races. That's true. That's true. A lot Com- of... Compared to his teammate who wasn't. Yeah. Like, a few of them weren't necessarily his fault. Um, even when he was getting beaten by Ricard. In fact, no, he wasn't getting he wasn't getting beaten by his teammate in in uh no two of the that was last few races he was. And you know, he he nearly won a race, he got four podiums, got his first pole position. I'm also very aware we gave this award to Carlos Sainz last year. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that doesn't matter. That's it's in the true. Past. no it that's, doesn't. That's, it's true. I mean you can be you can be driver of the season every season. Doesn't it's matter. True. If you're the best driver, you're the best driver. Yeah, well, Doesn't if he was matter, the best driver winning championships, he was the best driver. So. Uh, well, not necessarily, actually, I suppose. But, um, what's yours, Tom? Signs. Uh, no, I, I do think I do think I end up ranking Norris over Signs. I think that's slightly. So where do you put Perez? Where are you put uh, a third of the th- third of the lot of them. Basically, the same thing Chris said. I think uh, Norris, Signs, Perez. Perez. I th- like. I can see the argument for Perez, but I think there I think there are as many races where he was a bit disappointing as there were races where he was impressive. I've I got think... Norris second. You guys have both got Science second, so Norris is our guy. Science is second overall, and Perez is unanimously third. There you go. I so think it's Norris. I think it is Norris. Yeah, it's it felt like. He he took every year just he's been made... in F1, he's taken another step forward, and it very much felt like he's over the course of this season, he took another big step forward. So, like I say, he was my pick for the first two thirds of the season. It's only the last bit that maybe like changed my mind, but I don't think he was enough to um, take it away. And there's a gif of Sergio Perez looking shocked and Tom is completely broken. Oh, that, that gif has broken me, Jose. Thanks. <laughs> However, our driver of the year is Lando Norris. Congratulations, Lando. Which wraps up our awards, which means the last thing we have to do is go all the way back to, I think we did these between testing and the first race, if I remember rightly, the, the pre-season predictions that we did. Um, let's do this uh, yeah so so yeah i think the way we did it was we kind of each picked one we thought was likely and then one less likely and one really outlandish one um so who who's do we want to do first either any you can do mine if you like we'll go with Stu. so Stu's first one was vettel will win a race and beat his teammate over the season 
Ooh, so close on close. one and a half of that. I think, really close. I think half a point on that. He did beat his teammate yeah. over the season. I, I think, could we, see I think he got half, half a point, point there. Um, your second prediction was Alonso will end the season without a podium. And you came within ah, three yeah. races of that being true. Very close again. And then your third prediction was Red Bull win a race before Mercedes, which fell apart oh, at the very first hurdle. Yeah. <laughs> race, yeah. Gutted. Um, I'll do my next. So my first one was Williams will get um, double digits of points, which they did. Yep. Correct. Um, my second one was Perez will win a race before Verstappen. Big old nope there. No. No. And then probably the worst prediction of the entire bunch. <laughs> oh, go on. My third one. And again, this was one that was supposed to be a bit outlandish. My third prediction was Vettel will finish third in the Drivers' Championship. <laughs> wow. Uh, you, that you has le- aged so badly. Really <laughs> quite poorly. I think I'm maybe about two or three years ahead of time on that one. <laughs> You're leading there at the minute. You got Stu got half a point. You've got a whole point. Yep, Tom. I'm scared. <laughs> this, I feel like there's a reason he left me till after him, and I don't know what it is. So your first one: a McLaren driver will win a race. Kaching. Yeah, big old that one. Point. Your second one: Mercedes will not renew Bottas. Yes. <laughs> and your third one: Signs will stay in touch with Leclerc. Yes, it oh, did, better did better than that. Than that. It did even better, yeah. Big I'll old, take that. Big old, three big old three out of three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wish I was good in the predictions league as I was there. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're polishing your crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. And Raikkonen and DNF before he retired, eventually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it all came good in the end. Um, and I think that finally wraps us up for the 2021 season. It's been a long old year and oh hasn't it just the fact that it's the what is it the 20th of december and we're only just having time to do our season review is like wild we normally yeah more than done by this point in the year it's been a, yeah. been a very long yeah. one but i mean I'm what so tired what a season though. <laughs> just so tired <laughs> yeah it's been great it's it's, it's been really good like it's a shame that the end of it's been overshadowed a bit by all this sort of controversy but i do think this is going to go down as one of the all-time great F1 seasons. It's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I don't think I could handle another one like this next no. year. I mean it. Like My mental health just could not cope. No, it's been <laughs> too much at The times. number of times, like my, I'd have a heart attack. The number of times <laughs> my heart has been in my mouth. I know, right. For me the watch, or I've just been blown away flabbergasted by some of the things that have happened this season if there's another one even ha- if next season is half as good as this it'll still be yeah for the ages. yeah it's been that good this year there's barely been a bad race in fact the, the the one bad race which we haven't mentioned was not even a race at all it was exactly bad. yeah <laughs> yeah it's like we yeah. couldn't we couldn't go a whole episode without a whole season review without <laughs> mentioning belgium could we <laughs> But like you kept saying before the season, Stu, like last last season of a set of regulations, it's going to be a banger. They always are. Yeah. But like it's just exceeded expectations. Just like couldn't couldn't never predict. There have yeah. there's been so many individual things that I would you could just never have predicted that like could you'd never have seen coming things you've never seen before in the sport. It's been it's been something else. Um. We sort of did it all last week, but just briefly, again, another massive thank you to everyone who's been um, 
listening and sending in questions and comments um, all season. Uh, podcast wouldn't be anything without all of you listening. So just enormous thanks from all of us. It's been our biggest season to date by a long way, grown more than we ever thought was possible. So yeah, massive thanks to you all. Um, special thanks as well to everybody in the Discord. Um, all of our patrons on there, like just having that as a little a little island of sanity in the um the garbage <laughs> fire that's that the, is F1 social media. Um, the um, official <laughs> name of our Discord is the Oasis of Peace. The Oasis yeah. of Sanity. I mean, I'm pretty sure a few of them can confirm I needed that space during the week after that championship decider. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a lot of non-F1 talking that week where we all just kind of <laughs> got in a good headspace. Got again. to know each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, massive thank you again to all of you guys. Um, and thanks to you two as well for keeping on doing this. It's always a, a yeah. pleasure sitting down with you yeah. every week. It's been going kind of a while now, yeah. I know, was and this our fifth season, is this now? Something like that. Properly next season. Is yeah. Like Big time. Um, yeah. Only 90 days until we're doing it all again, less than, oh, according God. to Jeff. That's... 90 days and we're back at it. That's ridiculous. <laughs> need a rest first. I need yeah. a week off is what I need. Um, I need a few weeks off. We'll, we'll, we'll take Christmas off. I think that's yeah, fair. Yeah, <laughs> at the very least we'll take Christmas off. We've, we've got a few things <laughs> planned sort of between now and... Um, the sort of testing and car launches and stuff to uh, keep things ticking over. Um, So yeah, I think that is about us for the year. So those of you that do Christmas, have a very good one. Have a very happy new year. And um, yeah, we'll speak to you all soon. So for the last time this year, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.